0: Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 415 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm not joined by Jill today because she's on vacation. I'm joined by Andrea. Hi. Hi. So I didn't want to sit here by myself and do an introduction because I'm tired and I was, I've been in like four states in the last week and yesterday I drove five hours home from Indianapolis. It was a very cool thing. It's for a Jason Reynolds interview that will be up on the podcast eventually. But I'm tired. So I'm going to do an intro about what today's episode is about, and then I'm going to let you say books you've been reading lately. Oh, okay. Yes. So uh, today's episode is an interview I did with Adeline Grace, who is amazing, and her book is All the Stars and Teeth, which Andrea's excited to read, but she hasn't yet. I thought I I gave you the advanced copy. I'm sorry. You didn't. I know. I'm sorry.
1: I know you've told me about it a lot.
0: Yeah. I feel like I have been telling people about this book for like four months, which is why it's weird to me that it's just coming out. Um, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on the introduction about that book because in our February books episode, which was just last week, Jill and I, I think, went on a 10 minute yes. rant about how excited Jill is to read the book and how much I loved it and how Adeline's going to be on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. And then most of this podcast is obviously an interview with it's like, her.
1: It's not beat a dead horse.
0: Exactly. So this is it's all to say, the a terrible saying. <laughs> so this is all to say, All the Stars and the Teeth comes out on Tuesday, February 4th. So if you're listening to this the day the episode comes out as the third, you can go pre-order it or place your holds on it right now. It's amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to love this conversation. Um, And if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at ProBookNerds on Twitter and Instagram. Go to ProfessionalBookNerds.com, which is our website. You can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. That's all of our jazz. Okay. Now, the fun stuff. Andrea, what have you been reading lately? Tell us some more book recommendations.
1: So, I... Well, here, I'll start off with my first read of 2020. hmm New Year, New Decade. So, I read... Um, new you. New me. <laughs> so, I read Save the Date by Morgan Matson, hmm And it's a very cute story that takes place over like a weekend. Mm -hmm. So Charlie's older sister is getting married and all of her siblings are coming home and they're all over the country. Like there's one in California, there's, you know, one in college, there's one in... They're all over. Oh, sure. They're not local anymore. Understood. So she's all excited (laughs) for everyone to come home for her sister's wedding and everything is going wrong. And like the wedding planner is gone and like mixed up dates and parties and so everything is just like falling apart so uh-huh. she's trying to like help from behind the scenes and it's a really cute like family story mm-hmm. it's a very nice palate cleanser after all the heavy reading at the end of 2019 yeah that's so it's, it's cute it's fun um it's more about family and there's a mini mini romance but it's very like heartwarming and like you could see this being, like, a movie. Yeah. With, like, the way the siblings interact. They're very fun, like, true-to-life sibling relationships.
0: Oh, I love it. I could use a palate cleanser everything going on in my brain, but also, like, all the books i would read recently are, like, yeah. super heavy. <laughs> when I was driving uh, to Indianapolis, I finished a book that was really, really good, but um, it's called Long Bright River, and it just came out in January, and it was very buzzy. But it's about this family, one of them, Is a drug addict, and the other one's a police officer, and trying to decide if her sister is dead or disappeared. Very, very dark. And then, like at a at a rest stop, I was like, "Shoot, this book is finished," and I knew I had the five hour drive home. And I was like, "I need something." And it was like one of those rare times where I didn't have seven books borrowed. (laughs) You're like, "What do I do?" I was like, "What do I do?" (laughs) So I just went to our local library, and I just did the audio books, and then I just sorted it by available now and most recently added. So I'm reading, I'm listening to this book called The God Game and it's like this, these kids are playing this virtual reality like video game thing but it's super heavy and like it takes over their whole world and it's very much like an artificial intelligence thing where like they think they're getting instructions from God and like it's this artificial intelligence that thinks it's God because of how it was programmed, it took like all of known histories, like uh, religious stuff too and it's really good it's super interesting but it also super dark so I was like <laughs> on my way home exhausted from Indianapolis I was I was in the car for five and a half hours listening to this book and I'm like it's really good but it's just another like say I had to listen to like 20 minutes of a podcast that was just funny just to, like, so
1: now you're like physically tired yes, mentally tired exactly. emotionally tired
0: yeah anyway okay next book um, Andrea
1: next book I'm just gonna plug real quick because I can't I was gonna Not. make sure
0: that you do this yes
1: um, a letter to Joe
0: it's a very good book. Not lighthearted.
1: Not lighthearted um, by my husband, Joe Siraki, and Kelly Williams' graphic novel. Yes. Uh, based on a letter his grandfather wrote to his grandmother at the end of World War Two. Yes. So just go listen to the episode.
0: It's so good. Oh. Well, thank you. It made me cry. I've read it twice now. It made me cry both times. Aw. Yeah.
1: I'm going to tell him that. You should. I will.
0: I mean, I could tell him, but I'll have you I do mean,
1: it. Yeah. Um, And then... The other series I'll talk about um, was The Folk of the Air by Holly Black, Uh which I did not read until after Queen of Nothing came out, which, Uh as I told you, was a blessing and a curse.
0: You did it the right way.
1: As I was mad. I had not read it before, but I was happy because I read the entire series in nine days.
0: Yeah. Okay. You're amazing. Yes.
1: Because it was that good.
0: Yeah. So people may remember, Holly was on the podcast. um, I think that came out in October Mm -hmm. or November. Who can remember? But, I don't
1: want to say November.
0: Uh, I will say I will share this because it was very very funny. Uh, peek behind the curtain. When we have bigger authors on, we have a like a big bump in that particular episode because people discover us. Like if they're looking for like the Andrea Barber one, the Kimi Gibbler yeah. episode, we've got so many listeners that just listen to it because they're a huge fan of her and she shared it. So Holly, when I interviewed her, we had a lovely conversation, and then afterwards she and I talked for like forty five minutes about book recommendations. Like we became buddies and. So she shared the podcast when it came out, and we got a review, a one-star review in iTunes, and it was clearly someone who, like, just worships Holly Black and didn't like my questions, so she (laughs) but the way that the person said it was something like, how dare you? Uh, She's not, you're not worth Holly Black's time. It was, like, so funny. And it was one of those things. If we get a one-star review and it's what did someone you just do? nothing, I don't know. But like <laughs> sometimes, if we get like one-star reviews, like I'm—I won't lie—I'm—I'm I'm a vain person. Like it hurts my feelings if someone like genuinely hates us just to hate us and they're like mean. Like the sound is terrible and you guys suck. I'm like, no, it's not. You're just being mean. This one just made me laugh. <laughs> it was so funny. I, I'll need to find it sometime and like. No, I won't ever share it because I don't want to like. Well, I always highlight. like when
1: we see like reviews on like Sora. Like I saw one for Sora, and it was like, "There's no Fortnite." Yeah. So I'm like, well, it's not <laughs> a video game platform, but yeah. Thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, n- not enough roller coaster tycoon books. Well, I don't know if those exist, so I'm sorry.
1: I loved roller coaster tycoon. Yeah, you're
0: welcome. Um, are there, there other book critique? Um, about?
1: so I will talk about my current read. Yeah. Which is an arc that I got through the magic of overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J Maas.
0: Oh, how did, what?
1: How did you get this? The Magic of Overdrive.
0: Did, did someone else get yeah. this
1: for you? Well, I don't know if they got it for me, but we got it. And they're like, I know you're a fan.
0: Uh, okay. I was about to be offended that you went to someone else to get you. And no, 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 no.
1: It was, it was because they knew I was a fan. Um,
0: I just spilled coffee on myself. Just a <laughs> real life update
1: this book is a beast it is 816 pages
0: wasn't her other oh no it was the yeah. other ones
1: were big um i'm
0: thinking of uh, victoria Aviard, i think her most recent book was like 800 her,
1: her, big, her book's are book too or the yeah. last one was
0: anyway i've cut you off like six times um, go ahead
1: so bryce quinlan is the perfect life working hard all day and partying all night until a demon murdered her closest friends leaving her bereft wounded and alone when the accused is behind bars, but the crime starts up again, Bryce finds herself at the heart of the investigation, and she'll do whatever it takes to avenge their deaths. Hmm. So it's kind of like um, she's half fae, half human. So it like takes place in our world, but it's not our world kind of deal.
0: So like the opposite of Holly Black books. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and I have only got two chapters into it because okay. it's like it's one of those books where I want to read it so bad, but it's so hard to hold.
0: Yeah, no, like, Prior to the Orange Tree that yeah. I loved, but it's 900 pages and people get intimidated because it's a big honking book. Well,
1: and then, like, on Sunday, it was early in the morning, Quinn was the only one who was awake, mm-hmm. well, aside from Joe and I, and she was, like, cuddling with me on the couch, and normally that's perfect, like, reading time, but I can't hold it with, like, yeah. one hand comfortably, so it's been kind of a... The two chapters I've read so far are very good.
0: Well, and I know people are probably thinking, you work at Overdrive, why aren't you just using Libby? But as you mentioned, advanced copy. Yes. We don't get digital, we don't very frequently get digital versions of advanced copies. It does come
1: out March 3rd. Yes. So soon.
0: Yeah. Ish. And you know what? That's a good kind of transition into the actual episode because that's, I'm assuming that's YA because it's Sarah J Maas. I think it's adult. Oh, well, mind.
1: Goodreads says new adult, but.
0: Okay. Well. Did, was there, I didn't want to cut you off. I, I assumed you said that was your recent read. So that is my recent read. Yeah. Okay. Well, those all sound very, very good, and those are some good recommendations. And a little something for everybody. A little something for everybody. And yeah, thank you for spending a few minutes with me because I, I, I couldn't muster the energy <laughs> to speak by myself. So um, we'll do we'll do another thing soon. We're like a full episode
1: of more specific things. Yeah.
0: So anyway. Thank you, Andrea. You're welcome, Adam. And I hope you guys all enjoy this conversation with Adeline Grace on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. (laughs) Hey everybody, it's Adam, and I am super excited to introduce you guys to a brand new author. Uh, Alan Grace is joining me today, and she is the debut author of All the Stars and Teeth, which has been called everything from exciting, beautiful, vicious, and fierce by the likes of Kirkus and young adult queen Tomi Adeyemi. Alan graduated from Arizona State at the age of 19 and worked in live theater, as well as studied storytelling at Nickelodeon Animation, which I definitely want to talk about. Uh, She now writes full-time, and in my opinion, she's written one of the best young adult debuts that I've read in ages. So first off, Adeline, thank you for joining me today.
2: Oh my gosh, what an intro. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've never heard myself called so many nice things. Thank you.
0: Well, I will continue to shower you with praise as we go through this, because genuinely, and I, I told you before we started recording, but the book is amazing, and I, I know people are going to love it, so I'm wondering if you could kind of kick us off by giving our listeners an introduction to All the Stars and Teeth.
2: Yeah, Sure. So, All the Stars and Teeth is basically an epic fantasy about a morally gray princess who is forced to team up with a pirate in order to save her kingdom from a magical new threat. Um, She basically has to sail with him across this kingdom that's made up of seven different islands in order to get his magic back, which has been stolen. And, yeah, I don't want to... Spoil too much, but there's a lot of magic. There's mermaids. There's a whole lot of swashbuckling adventure. And yeah, I'm so excited to share it with everybody.
0: Yeah, it is. First off, Morally Gray is a perfect description. That's like <laughs> flawless. Um, but no, there like you said, there there's mermaids and there's swashbuckling. Um people longtime listeners to the podcast will know that like if, if someone tells me that there is a book that has Lady Pirates in it, like, I'm first off, I'm in right there. I don't need the rest of the description. But the fact that there's magic and, and so much more going on, there's just, I feel like you have packed so many different things into this debut. And I know it wasn't the first book you wrote, but it being the first one you published, how did you kind of keep everything reined in? Because there's a lot going on here.
2: Oh, my goodness, yes. Well, there's a lot of notebooks full of, like, a world Bible um, that I kind of keep by hand when I'm writing that goes into, like, details of different islands and stuff. But for me, it's all about, like, when I'm writing something, I just want it on paper. I just want it kind of done and drafted. And then in revisions, I'll go through in rounds and really focus, like, okay, we're looking at this island, and how does this island operate what makes this island unique? How does the magic in this island work, and how is it different from the other ones? So, I'll really like take my time and try to do them as separately as possible to give each island each magic uh, the attention it deserves.
0: So, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I was really, really curious about with the different islands. And this doesn't give anything to way to say to say that you know people who live on certain islands have certain magical abilities. I'm curious how you went about laying out those specific kind of just like basically the magical system like how did you go about creating that and i have to imagine that was a whole lot of fun. Yes, yeah,
2: sorry, i'm getting away from the barking dog. Oh, no worries. As you a as a dog owner,
0: i certainly appreciate that.
2: <laughs> um, can you repeat the end of the question one more time? Yeah,
0: i'm i'm curious how you went about kind of creating the magic system for the story between, you know, what islands have what types of powers and and things like that. I imagine creating that system was a lot of fun, but I'm curious how you went about putting it together.
2: Yeah. So for me, I really, I just kind of sat down and I thought about all the different magics I thought were interesting, all the different kinds I would maybe want to include in a story. And then I had to narrow it down and think of how many different islands I can fit in this world. You know, I didn't want to overload it with, like, 20 different islands and 20 different magic systems. Like, I feel like seven is already, you know, that's already quite a bit. Um, And I (laughs) I just really had to think about, you know, the kind of stuff I would enjoy writing about and the stuff that I thought could be warped a little bit and kind of skewed to fit, like, what the book needed. And just to make it as interesting as possible. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really anything that inspired a certain magic. It was just kind of me sitting down with a notebook and one day thinking about all the things that I thought would be really fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so what came first for this for you? Because building out a fantasy world, I really love asking fantasy authors, you know, did a story come first or did the idea of this world that you wanted to build come first?
2: Yeah, so actually Amora came first. Uh, She was the very first thing I ever thought of. I knew I wanted to create a morally gray heroine um, because just when, you know, in all media, in books and TV shows, I feel like male-identifying characters get away with so, so much more than female characters or, you know, non-binary characters. And I kind of really wanted to create a fierce female character to kind of challenge some of those you know, gender norms and the, the molds that female characters are often put into. And I just wanted to create a really morally gray, kind of complex character who was unapologetic for who she was and what she wanted, who, you know, she didn't lose her femininity just because she also likes daggers. Like, she likes gowns and she likes dresses and she likes courting, but she also likes adventure and being in the thick of battle. And so the whole story really started with her creation. And from there, I kind of had to think about the world I wanted to make and the magic. Yeah, everything started with Amora.
0: I, I'm glad that you mentioned her first because I feel like so often, as, as you mentioned, you know, there can be characters, especially in fantasy worlds, that can sort of be one beat, even if they are kind of a main character. Like, I love... How many layers she has, and really every character that we, we come across. It there's no one that feels like they're just, you know, one character trait on a piece of paper. So that you could have someone else in the crew. Like I love it's clear that you took a lot of time deciding what these types of people would be in kind of any situation. I, I, was that something that you actively thought about for all of your characters?
2: Yeah, it was. Thank you for saying that because I did. Yeah, put a lot of time into that because Amora especially goes through a lot of stuff in the first book. She has a big journey so she's very different in the beginning of the novel from the person she is by the end. Um, She has a very large arc. She goes through a lot and yeah it was really important to me because I want her to also seem very real. You know I want all my characters to make mistakes. I want them to have to apologize. I want them to do silly things that readers may not want them to do or agree with because they're human still I wanted them to feel very human and very
0: real Uh, I'm also curious about if you had to do any specific research for this because a lot of people people will think about a fantasy novel and everything kind of is a world that you've built out of your own mind but I mean there's stuff about sailing and like the various you know magics and things like what were there things in here that you needed to do research in other than as you mentioned filling up notebooks and notebooks of all the the stuff that you built out
2: yeah, so definitely sailing, like you said, in kind of nautical terms and the anatomy of a ship and how sailing works. Uh, but the weirdest thing I think I had to research was for the healing magic, for the restoration magic, because um, I don't want to spoil too much, mm-hmm. but there there might be, you know, some limbs being removed <laughs> from people's bodies. <laughs> and I kind of had to do some research on how that would work and how, you know, you You took one of those limbs, and you needed to kind of harvest some things from it. How does that work? So I feel like I took a lot of, like, anatomy, I feel like. A lot of anatomy research for this book.
0: I am just imagining what your Google search history looked like during that time.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sure the FBI watching my computer was very curious what was going on.
0: (laughs) So who would you say was kind of your favorite character to write? Or maybe, you know, see like types of scenes that you enjoyed writing the most
2: oh yeah so I feel like I'm more of the easiest character to write but oh I feel like parts from every character are so fun for me like I really kind of like poking fun at ferric mm-hmm. because he's just kind of like I don't know he's just so nice and sweet which makes <laughs> him an easy target for the other characters because they like to tease him so I like to tease him but Oh, yeah, and um, Vatea is just very, like, fierce, and I like that she has different moral standards, because I can just kind of, like, say weird things with her and get away with it. And I think Bastion's humor, too. His humor, I would say, probably matches mine the closest, so I really enjoy his, like, little quips and his banter scenes with Amora. Uh,
0: I won't give anything away, but for our listeners, I will just say, I was, like, craving more Vatea. Like, I I want... A two thousand page novel about just everything about her. She's, I love everyone, but everything about her, I would like. I would be reading scenes with with her in it, and then I would stop and like yell to my wife, like, "You need to know what's happening right now." And she's like, "All right, I'm going to read it. Relax." But like, love her so much. She's such a great addition to this uh, little team you've built here. <laughs> yeah, thank you
2: for saying that. I love her too. I would honestly love to write more of her one day kind of more of her story so we'll we'll see what happens but yeah i love
1: her
0: yeah i don't, don't want to you know like try to put more stories into your brain i know that this is you know and I, it will be a, a series so I, I know that you have more story in this particular through line to tell so i don't want to like put too much more on your plate but yeah i would be all for that
2: <laughs> it's definitely something i've thought of <laughs>
0: Hi, everyone I want to take a quick break to introduce you to a brand new sponsor to the show today which is Grove Collaborative an online marketplace that delivers all natural home beauty and personal care products directly to your door their aim is to make uh, living a healthy lifestyle easy and accessible for you and your family this is such an amazing service and a marketplace i was so excited it's actually one that uh, my wife and i have been using for a while so It was great to be able to connect with them. I just want to kind of give you some more information about them. So think about like those all-purpose cleaners that your mom used to use. They're full of harmful chemicals, and they've been linked to everything from respiratory problems to cancer. Uh, You don't need toxins to have a clean home. You just need to go to a place like Grove Collaborative to get some really, really great uh, healthy living and healthy cleaning products that come again, right to your door. Uh, they gave us some really cool stats that I just want to share with you guys. Like, I don't, don't know if you know this, but 70, 70% of people say that they want to use natural products, but really only 2% of them do. And the reason is because what you're normally picking up when you're buying things at the store come from the biggest companies, which uh, are not necessarily the ones that are best for you. So, you know, how can you start? And a great place to start is Grove Collaborative. Um, it's an, as I mentioned, it's an online marketplace. It delivers these all natural home beauty personal care products directly to you. Uh, this was one that I was really, really excited to show to my wife. She and I went uh, online to their website, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, uh, this weekend. And we went a little crazy getting really, really excited. Uh, we bought everything from all-natural hand soaps and dish soaps and multi-surface cleaners to things to clean our shower. Uh, We bought some random uh, really awesome uh, walnut scrubber sponges. We bought these elderberry immune support gummies because we like to take gummy vitamins in the morning. Um, We even bought our dog's uh, cookies that are you know, kind of shameless dog pets that are shameless dog treats for them as well. So there's something for everyone there. We, we literally had stuff to clean our house to keep our bodies healthy and to keep our dogs healthy as well. So with Grove, you don't need to worry about having multiple stores and searching endlessly online. Everything is all in one place for you. So for a limited time, when our listeners go to grove.co slash PBN, you'll get a free five-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer and Grove, which is a $30 value. All you have to do is go to grove.co slash PBN to get this exclusive cleaning offer. One last time, that's grove.co slash PBN. So I, I mentioned in the, the introduction that you studied storytelling while you were an Internet Nickelodeon. So First off, that that feels like a dream job for every child in in America ever. Like, how did that come about?
2: Oh, it's gonna sound so funny when I explain it like this. But so I am a super impatient person by nature, and I know I've always wanted to go into storytelling of some kind. At first, I wasn't sure if that was with books or if I wanted to do something in television, and I really love animation, so. I was sitting on my bed one day watching the first season of Korra. Mm-hmm. And is disaster, you know, I grew up with Avatar and I loved it so much. And it ended. And I was really upset and I wanted to know what happened next. So I was like, you know what? I'm in college. It's time for an internship. I have always wanted to do this anyway, so I'm going to try. And I set my alarm the next morning, like for early in the morning, to get up and start working on my cover letter and to start working on a resume. <laughs> And I spent probably like a week working on that and getting people to look at it. And I just kind of sent it in. And back then you could put like if you wanted to work on a specific show or if you kind of wanted to be considered for anything. And I was like, you know what? No, I want this one. And my whole cover letter was specifically for Cora. (laughs) And I somehow, you know, I lucked out. And I had the phone interview. It went really well. Went there in person. It just kind of worked out. And, yeah, I am so I love that job. I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to be part of it.
0: That is amazing that like you through sheer willpower that cause, because you wanted to know about a show that's, Oh man, that's so fantastic. So what would you say that you kind of took out of that experience when it came to storytelling?
2: Yeah. So like I said, I'm so grateful for that opportunity and I love the people I work with. I learned so much, but it also really taught me that I would never be fully happy working for somebody else's stories um, when I could, you know, tell my own. So I didn't stay there super long. I finished, I think, right before the end of the last season, probably like the early stages of that. And I left and I started to work on my own book. And that book eventually got me into Pitch Wars. It did not get me an agent. It was not one that has sold or will ever go anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, from that I just I learned that I wanted to focus on my own stuff because I really, really love that job and I love getting to tell stories. But I wanted to be able to tell my own stories.
0: I also love the fact that you mentioned being a very impatient person, but you're also a writer who has written several books that have not been published or, or done anything with. Like, I feel like there's definitely a like a dichotomy internally there because that is it's a lot of work. Like you, you mentioned, pitch wars and things. Like, how long has this process been? Just, I love giving people an idea of how long it takes from a, a book to come to, into the world. So, How long has this process been for you for this particular book from thinking about it to having it, you know, be published?
2: Oh, okay. So I will say that this one is very, very, very different from anyone I have worked on before this. Um. So All the Stars and Teeth, I actually wrote very, very quickly. But I will preface this by saying I had just gotten out of a car accident and I had broken... A part of my spine and a couple of ribs so I couldn't really be very active Ooh. I was very sedentary yeah so I had plenty of time so I wrote it in three weeks what? and I think I edited it in about the same probably another three weeks and the query experience was completely different for this it was totally abnormal and I actually I had a couple offers within the same day so
0: it was it was very weird this is not normal Oh, my God. I, the the querying part I, I definitely appreciate is that can be a long process, but wrote and edited in about six weeks. I, are you a superhuman? That's phenomenal.
2: <laughs> no, I think I was just, I was angry writing it because I'd just gotten out of Pitch Wars. Uh, the manuscript didn't really get me anywhere, and I knew that it wasn't my best work, and I also knew that I kind of exhausted all my opportunities with it. Like, it was time to move on. And then I just got in this accident, and I couldn't work, and I was like, well, (laughs) what else am I going to do? So I was just very pissed off, and I wrote the book. I was like, I'm going to get my agent with this one. It's going to be amazing. And yeah, fortunately, it was, but I will say that I have had hundreds of rejections before this. Like, this All Stars and Teeth was my fourth manuscript. So it was the second one I queried, I think. So yeah, it was, this process was abnormal, but overall, like, I've been trying to Get an agent and get a book published for many years.
0: I think I'm understanding a little bit of the fierceness of Amora, where that came from, from where you were. <laughs> I, I also love the fact that you mentioned breaking part of your spine, and the the cover and the actual spine of your book has an actual spine on it. Like that's a very full circle. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. I never thought about that. But, yeah, very full circle. I wrote the book with the broken spine. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that someone who blurbed the book happens to be a close friend of yours, Tomi um, mm-hmm. I, Much like you and I are talking right now before this book comes out, I interviewed her before her first book came out, and, like, no one knew who this up-and-coming person was, and now, you know, she's literally everywhere. Um, what was it – what's it like having – uh, a friend who's kind of going through this process, at least at a similar time with you, like, was, is this having both right being writing fantasy stories and being so close to each other, like, is it helpful to have someone experiencing the same things you are, or is, does it feel completely different with your two stories being so different?
2: No, I think it's incredibly helpful. Like, I, I love Tommy. I think she's a great person, and she is, you know, a great friend but also a great resource for me because she's gone through this before and she kind of knows what to expect you know what's normal what's not um and i yeah i have a couple of other writing friends too that i love to surround myself with because it's so you know this is such a isolated career until it's not mm-hmm. like you write the book in isolation but then you have to kind of give it away and then it's a whole different world of like judgments, readers and editors and agents. So it's really, really great when you could have a group of friends or, you know, one close friend who is also doing this or has done this before because they can just, you know, they're like your little rock in this wild, crazy. I don't even know what metaphor I'm going for right now, but (laughs) they are just so, so helpful. And they have definitely saved my sanity so many times. And, Yeah, no, I love Tommy. I think she's amazing, and I'm very, very grateful for her.
0: Uh, So, sort of along those lines, like I said, we're recording this, uh, I think, three weeks before your book comes out, but I'm curious, having gone through the process now of writing the story and querying it and getting an agent and going through the editing and everything, what's something that you would tell early, Adeline, about the process that you're glad you know now, but maybe wish you knew throughout the process?
2: Um, Yeah, there's that's a really good question. And I think there's a couple things. One, like I mentioned, I'm so impatient by nature that I really had to rein that in and just kind of like find other things to do and sit on my hands because <laughs> publishing is slow until it's not. Like it's slow, slow, slow. And then all of a sudden everything is happening. Um, but also, I would just kind of, you know, I think we see the glitz and the glam of author life, and we always want that as new writers. We're like, oh, it's so shiny and amazing, and I want, I want to have that. But it's also very difficult and mentally taxing and physically taxing. And, you know, I know so many authors who have gotten so sick, um, or mm-hmm. so stressed, and they have deadlines, and, you know, these expectations from, readers and expectations of your time and just like we're putting a piece of we're putting work out into the world but we're also putting a piece of our soul and our creativeness to be judged that is literally our job and I don't think we really think about that enough or prepare for it enough um you know I think that people should really just kind of consider that and maybe you know seek professional help earlier on like maybe therapy or find things that just really relax you that are a distraction from this world because it is so easy to get so sucked into it that you forget to do anything else.
0: I'm so glad that you kind of said that about the demands on your time and things that that readers definitely don't understand. Um, I've been fortunate with this job. I kind of go all over and interview authors and I've gotten to meet a lot of people that I adore and um, I got to see Lee Bardugo and Victoria Schwab at BookCon last year, and like just briefly chat with them. And they've been on the show before, and they had both just gotten done doing signings, and they were signing, you know, for hours and hours. And just like the looks on their face, and like the sheer exhaustion of having to be on every single time you see somebody. Because like for you, when you you know you're about to go on a, a book tour, every single one of those people are seeing you for the first time. So for for you, it's like, well, I want to make sure that they all enjoy themselves but all those people definitely don't realize that you know you have the events going on and then you probably are working on the next book and figuring out what comes next like it is something that i don't think people realize how much you as an author have to go through to kind of meet all of these various demands that people are expecting of you
2: yeah i mean readers are easily hands down the best part of this entire process like getting to talk to them getting to you know, hear their thoughts on the book and they're just... I've met some wonderful, amazing readers and my book's not even out for three weeks. <laughs> like, they are easily the best... Pro- like, the whole part of this process. But, yeah, I just... I think that, you know, it's its a very demanding, very taxing, like, physically and mentally sort of job. And I don't think a lot of people really talk about that enough. Um, Because, yeah, you have no way of knowing, you know, because we always show especially on social media like we show the shiny we show Mm -hmm. you know look at look at all these great things that are happening and we don't really talk about you know the time that went into that or the exhaustion and the stress to kind of put out what we're able to put out
0: that's so that's so true And and like i said i've been fortunate enough to now be friendly with a lot of authors to kind of see the other side where they are sitting in a room doing line edits for hours and hours and hours and no one no one sees the stacks of note cards or like the the crazy rooms with the the note you know with like the sticky notes all over the place so yeah that's so true I'm curious on a little bit of a lighter side you know I I love asking fantasy authors about other worlds and things so if you could pick another world, whether it's, like, literary or, you know, you mentioned core, like, being a cartoon world, like, if there was a different fantasy world that you could tell a story in, which one would you pick?
2: Ooh. Oh, my gosh, that's hard. <laughs> I'm ooh, sorry. Okay.
0: Yeah, that was so broad. I'm sorry.
2: No, it's because there's, like, so many. Like, my mind immediately went to, like, five. So that's, like, the struggle. Like, ooh, which one? Like, obviously harry potter leaves so much like unexplored i would love to just kind of like sit in that world i just got back from visiting harry potter world for the first time and i would like to just like oh it was so amazing and i want to just live in it Mm -hmm. so like obviously that but i feel like that's just like
0: so many people
2: (laughs) um i would love to so is this me telling a
0: story or like going to the world or can it be both Ooh, let's do both that's fun let's do both
2: okay okay I would love to go into the world of My Hero Academia because I want to know what my quirk is. Uh-huh. And writing a story... Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> mm. Okay, yeah. I'm. Go- it's going to have to be Harry Potter, but I want, like, a Slytherin story. Uh,
0: okay, I, was, I wasn't going to say it, but having read your book, I was going to guess you were a Slytherin. It just felt <laughs> pretty on brand. Um, mm-hmm. No, but you're absolutely right. Like, all the secondary stories that people don't see. Actually, I, um, a couple years ago, I was in New York City for, for BookCon again, and I went and saw... There's a play called Puffs. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's the story of the time Harry Potter was at Hogwarts, but it's told through the eyes of the Hufflepuffs. And Ooh. it's so funny, but it's exactly what you're saying. Like It's exploring a different part of the world, and... I'm right there with you like i i've gone to the wizarding world with my wife a few times in orlando and i never want to leave diagon alley like i just want to nestle up and live there forever
2: yeah it's amazing and the slytherins you know are so crapped on in the book like they're all evil we don't really get any other side to them so i would love to yeah tell a slytherin story like a pure slytherin awesome story
0: I think that's a that's a perfect that's a perfect answer i I totally support it <laughs> um so towards the end of our episodes we like to ask all of our authors uh nine questions that we call the nerd nine just because I enjoy alliteration uh so <laughs> the first one is what is the last book you finished reading
2: uh, woven in moonlight by Isabelle Ibanez.
0: oh the, i think i just saw were you were you a part of isabella's um Tour, or were you just at an event for the launch?
2: Yeah, so she's just a close friend, so I went out there to support her launch, but I wasn't part of it.
0: Ah, gotcha. That's amazing. Uh, do you have a favorite place to read?
2: Hmm. I think I get more reading done on the beach. Yeah, I would say I get the most reading done on the beach, but I also. Read in my on my Kindle like as I'm trying to fall asleep at night. So I guess in my bed and on the beach. So uh, two very different answers. Sure.
0: Uh, do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid?
2: Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, there's two. The first one was Let Me a series of unfortunate events, mm-hmm. and then it kind of you know was a little bit of a gap, and then Twilight, and I was so obsessed with Twilight. As in, like, Edward and Bella painted on my bedroom wall obsessed with Twilight.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Did you do so, this painting yourself?
2: Oh, no. It was, like, a family friend who did the painting. I went away. I spent a weekend at my friend's house. And then my parents, for my birthday, had, like, a family friend come over and paint it on my wall. And it was before the movie. So Twilight had this, like, fan website called Twilight Lexicon. And you can still go to it now. It has the same banner. And that banner is <laughs> what was painted on my wall. It's so
0: embarrassing. Wait, is this still up?
2: Yes, it's still
0: up. Have you, you can still find the website? Have you? No, I mean the the painting. Is the painting still there?
2: Oh, oh, I don't know. We moved out of that house, but we didn't paint over it before we left. So, I mean, if if another you know Twihard moved in, maybe it's still
0: up. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Now I'm imagining someone moving into this house, being like, Oh, we love it. We fell in love with this house. <laughs> and they walk into your room and they're like, And this is our twilight room. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Uh, That's amazing. Uh, What is one place you would like to travel that you have not yet been to?
2: Japan. 100% Japan.
0: (laughs) Are you a coffee person or a tea person?
2: I am now a tea person. I used to be a coffee person until I developed, like, a random allergy to caffeine. So now caffeine hates me, and I have to
0: drink herbal tea. Oof. Uh, Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate?
2: Yeah, I think Christmas, but I prefer Christmas Eve because that's when my whole family has, like, our traditions and all my siblings hang out and I have
0: a huge, you know, immediate family. So, Christmas Eve. Hey, that is the exact same with my family. I appreciate that. Hey! (laughs) Um, I think I know the answer to this because you mentioned it earlier, but cats or dogs? Mm,
2: Actually, that's hard. I I have both. So, oh, I think... The hogs went out a little bit, but I don't think I can never not have a cat.
0: Okay, just don't tell your cats that you said that because they'll hold it against you.
2: <laughs> I know he can't hear me.
0: Okay, good. Uh, do you have a favorite food?
2: Hmm. Um, probably, probably sushi and anything
0: fish. Okay. And then, yeah. if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick?
2: Hmm. i think probably walt disney i think he you know, has a little bit of an awful side to him but i he created like this huge empire and you know the slytherin in me really just kind of wants to like question that <laughs> and be like how did you do that
0: <laughs> no that makes perfect sense um mine is jim henson so i i definitely appreciate that okay yeah Uh, Okay, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from reading All the Stars and Teeth?
2: Yeah, so I would say, you know, I created Amora very intentionally, and she is somebody who's very, you know, she knows what she wants, and she's unapologetic, and she will go after it. And I feel like if there's anything that somebody, that I would want a reader to take from reading the book, it would just be a little, like, a little piece of her attitude, and just to... You know, you you know what you want, and especially if you identify as female, you know, there's a lot of people who think that we should be very humble or, you know, we shouldn't really want things, and I would just say, you know, a piece of amor's attitude, know what you want, go after it, be unapologetic about
0: who you are and what you want. That is absolutely perfect, and the book is so, so good. I can't wait for everyone to read it. Adeline, thank you for joining me today.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to talk to you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com.